0: Hello again everyone and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. So this week's guest is an accomplished young chess player, Grandmaster, U.S. Junior Champion a few years back, National High School and here in the U.S. Champion a few years back and a lot more scholastic Champion uh, championships than I can name, uh, Grandmaster Akshat Chandra. Thanks for joining us Akshat.
1: Thanks Ben, uh, glad to be on the show. I uh, just want to commend you for running this podcast. Uh, some of the guests, guests you've had on the show are very impressive and I'm I'm honored to be a part of such a company.
0: Yeah, I don't know how I managed to trick so many people to coming to coming on, but uh, I'm I'm, gra- <laughs> I'm grateful for it. Um. So, Akshat, for those of you listening, some of you will know about Akshat's background. Some of you will not. He's quite accomplished young chess player. Uh, had the benefit of playing and studying chess both in India and the U.S. So, we're going to talk about that briefly. He's also in the midst of a bit of a swirling chess controversy regarding. Uh, the possible of the alleged use of engines online and we're going to talk about that too but i want to start with akshat's uh unequivocal accomplishments because he's only 18 but done a lot in the chess world and did a lot rather quickly you you started playing chess at the age of nine right akshat
1: yeah around nine to nine and a half uh, when my family relocated to india uh, I was born here in the U.S., uh, in New Jersey, and uh, when I was about nine years old, my family relocated to India for a couple of years, and, and that's where I stumbled into chess.
0: Okay, and what at what age did you get the GM title?
1: Um, I believe it was 17. So after a strong start, I sort of, I had a lot of difficulty securing my last GM norm. I needed a, what is known as a six-day norm. So FIDE has this requirement that one of the three norms has to come in a tournament that is A minimum of six days and in the US that's extremely rare most of the tournaments are five days so I would probably have maybe like one or two six-day tournaments a year I'd play and it just it just took me a while to eventually you know get it done I think almost two years just to get that final norm
0: so you got close but then it took you a while to break through
1: yeah yeah, I, we've had a lot of guests
0: who've had that issue, and I know the norms can be a fickle thing. But mm-hmm. one thing our guests will definitely be interested in is uh, you had a bit of a meteor, meteoric rise, so we, we've got a lot of listeners interested in getting better at chess. So are, can you reveal your secrets?
1: Well, you know, Ben, it's funny I've received that question so many times, and I every time I, I just can't, you know, think of anything, you know, that I can. Pinpoint that led to such a meteoric rise. I mean, um, a couple of things which I can suggest is that I maybe I placed more emphasis on the studying of my own games than maybe most people would. Um, I also uh, placed a great emphasis on studying the games of classical players when I was younger, and I think that that, that allowed me to build up, you know, a very strong a strong foundation and base. And so um, those are probably two factors which I probably which I probably placed more emphasis on, which perhaps contributed to this meteoric rise. But if you just ask me, you know, like, what exactly led to this rise, I just can't pinpoint something exact.
0: So, Aksha, a lot of other guests have also mentioned the importance of studying your own games. What, uh, like, how did you decide that was important?
1: Um, Well, I had the, you know, the good privilege of having a... See, the thing is, when... When you start out chess, right, there's just so much uh information out there and it's it's kind of almost hard to decide, you know, what exactly to do. There're just countless, you know, methods and all that stuff. And um even as a grandmaster teacher I still find it hard, you know, sometimes to figure out what exactly I should, you know, place my emphasis on in my, in my training routine. But um I think I had the good fortune of having a, you know, a professional coach very early on, and so that instilled in me some good habits. Uh, it was uh Serbian grandmaster Predrag Trajkovic. And so I think he's the one who, you know, related to me the emphasis of uh, the importance, I'm sorry, of uh, studying your own games.
0: Okay. And when you study your own games, are you like, what's your methodology? How how much time do you spend looking at it? Do you use an engine to go over it?
1: Okay. So each game I spent a couple of hours on, maybe some games less because they weren't as crucial. But on the really important ones, I spent a couple of hours. I, I annotated without an engine at first because... An an annotation is essentially an introspection of your games, your thought process. And so you want to record all that down because the engine can't offer you that. It just offers you, you know, brute force calculation and, and moves. It's just a random series of moves. So it's important, in my opinion, to analyze without the engine and only after recording down all your thoughts, all the variations you calculated during the game, then to switch on the engine, you know, to confirm certain, you know, calculations that you had made during the game.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I would dare say that that's basically the consensus from guests we've had. Not everyone agrees, but it seems like you you do benefit. One does benefit more from uh, really deconstructing your own thoughts first, and only then just figuring it right, out. Right,
1: because it's 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 basically understanding your mind during the game, right? Yeah, the engine can offer you that. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and Aksha, we've been privileged to have a couple guests from India. Uh, I am Sagar Shah. and uh, Oh,
1: yeah, I know him. He's a friend.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. And top young player, uh, Vidit Garaji, recently joined me. Oh, yeah, Igra. I know him as
1: well. Yeah. Oh, excellent.
0: Thanks, so, And we're always interested in hearing about different chess cultures, Akshat. So we've gotten yeah. a little bit of perspective about India and why they're crushing the chess world. But <laughs> I, it, it occurs to me that you sort of have a unique perspective in that you can talk about the chess culture both in India and here in the U.S., So, how do you compare the two? Did you were there any stark differences when you made your way from India to the United States at the age of thirteen?
1: Yes, um, I guess the main thing, the main the main difference uh, is the sort of the conditions provided. Um in chess tournaments in the in the US and in India. In India it's it's much more similar to Europe. There the tournaments are conducted over several days. There there are many one round single round days, less double round days. Whereas in the US it's just, you know, nonstop, two rounds a day. It's it's not very conducive to chess improvement and, and your overall health. Whereas in India the, hmm. the conditions are certainly better I'd say.
0: That's interesting because you know on an economic level it's kind of the converse. But I guess uh, as we talked about with uh, Sagar Shah in particular, there is uh-huh. strong interest in and in support for chess there.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Chess is very well supported and funded in India.
0: And you, by the time you came to US, you were like well on your way in chess improvement. Like, yeah, I think
1: I... I was about, I think I was an FM, maybe like twenty two eighty or twenty three hundred.
0: Okay, so you were you were really getting it getting after it there in India. Yeah. And what was it like coming generally? Like, uh, what was it like switching cultures?
1: Well, I mean, I it was sort of just like you know taking a step back into my past because I spent nine years in the U.S. first, right? So, I mean, I was I was excited that I would finally be able to watch my beloved Jets. Nice, yeah. I know you're
0: <laughs> you're big on Twitter about about the Jets. Yeah. Um. So you grew up in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. Um. Any
0: other uh, favorite sports teams?
1: Uh, well, recently I started watching hockey, so the Devils and the Blues.
0: Okay, supporting. Yeah, so you were saying before we recorded you're in St. Louis now, so supporting the local teams? Yeah. Okay, um, nice. So Akshay, we have a question from a supporter of the podcast. Uh, they get advance word of uh who will be on the show, and they send in questions. So Sanat Singhai asks, what is an effective but uncommon training method, tool, book, etc.? who trained or influenced you in your journey? So you already mentioned who trained you, but you could mention, you know, historical chess influences and also any resources that you considered indispensable in your chess development. Mm -hmm.
1: That's interesting. Uh, Huh. These questions are always so tough because, uh, I mean, I know these people, you know, are genuinely expecting me to give some deep insightful response, but it's, it's very hard to come up with one. Uh, So let's see. Um, Well, I don't think I've ever had sort of, uh, you know, certain historical influence, so to speak. Um, An unconventional training method. Well, I think perhaps I emphasized uh, playing more uh, blitz, online chess, than most people would. You know, there's, I guess, sort of a debate, you know, is blitz helpful or harmful to your chess? Um, in my opinion, blitz game is extremely underrated. I feel that blitz is extremely useful in you know building up your tactics and your short calculation. And uh, I I've played a lot many online blitz games. I mean, I've I've just for the for like the last what seven eight years, it's just been a lot of blitz for me online. And I think that that could be one reason also, which sort of contributed to my mete- meteoric rise. I should I sort of like. Um, got into an accelerated path because of this sharpness I developed from from playing so much blitz. Of course, I'm not advising, you know, to just sit there playing blitz all day. I mean, there has to be certain moderation. But I think playing blitz is an unconventional method which could be useful to one's development.
0: Okay, yeah. I feel like uh, consensus is moving in that direction. When I was a kid, my coach would always, like, he was anti-blitz. And I think that that was sort of a common strain in the chess education Mm -hmm. at the time. And now with people like Hikaru Nakamura... And you know so many people who grew right. up grew up playing chess online, and you can't really argue with their results. Yeah. Uh, I think um, I, I think people are coming around to that school of thought. So, mm-hmm. but when you play blitz, when you played as a kid, would you yeah. analyze the games or would you just? have Oh yeah, one for th-
1: sure. And I still do this after every well, I, at least if I'm playing a, a strong opponent. If it's you know some lower rated player, I probably would not But if I'm playing a stronger opponent or another grandmaster or title player. I always analyze the games. It's it's very useful to see, you know, like how was your you know thinking in 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 situations where you're in time pressure, and uh, it's also very useful for uh, improving your openings because many times in blitz we face offbeat stuff, and then you can be you could just go back and check. Ah, okay, so this is how I should play next time, and then you come back the next game and and you show your improvements. So that's how I that's how I that's how I benefit from blitz. Okay. And now that you're in St. Louis, you mentioned again, uh,
0: when we were chatting briefly before the recording that you're focusing on chess full time and have been for a year or two now. So what's your day to day life like?
1: Well, uh, it's pretty much just uh, um, training and uh, training on my chess and focusing on, you know, improving all aspects of my game so I can eventually uh, be strong enough to break into the, the chess elite, you know, the top 10 or whatever.
0: Oh, wow. Lofty goal.
1: Yeah, definitely. But you know, if you're if you're going as 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 Jets quarterback Joe Namath said, Hall of Famer, right? If you're not going all the way, why go at all?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, And you're you know that's why we
1: moved to St. Louis because where else? I mean, this is the best place to be for chess in the U.S.
0: You think it's better than New York?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, just by being in St. Louis alone, it's it's better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess you're you're definitely
1: going to cross paths with more elite players. Uh, and that, I wouldn't say that because it's not often. You, you know, it's not like you're just seeing an elite player here every day. I mean, you get to see the, for example, Singfield Cup. You get to see the players in person, but that's only like once a year. But just being, you know, in close proximity to the to St. Louis and the club, uh, you, 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 I think you would get more opportunities than if you were say in New Jersey, whether it's playing in certain tournaments or, or you know, uh, having a chance to work with a a residence grandmaster. You know, they have a residence in GM program where a resident grandmaster comes uh, every month and, you know, you might have an opportunity to work with him. So th- those are some ways you can benefit just by being in St. Louis.
0: Well, but as a grandmaster yourself, do you, have you availed yourself of that opportunity? Have you worked with the GMs and residents?
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's not as frequent as, as one would think because many times they have IMs or, or lower, lower title players. But from time to time, some strong GMs come in and I, it's, it's great, you know, sparring with them and working with them.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, and I guess so many people just pass through town that you must get some get some good Blitz games in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Okay, so Aksha, I think that we are ready for the moment when we must dive into this chess.com co- controversy. Mm-hmm, sure. So I'll just try... Here's going to be my goal as host. Basically, I would like... I think people can listen to the evidence. And for background... Um, so you recently won a Title Tuesday event for Chess.com and you wrote a blog. Uh, no,
1: i I'm sorry. I just – I didn't win the Title Tuesday. I, I came like sixth or something. Okay. Um, I'm glad I'm
0: glad we have you here to correct me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you came in sixth in Chess.com and then the oh yeah, it's Title Tuesday event, which a lot of the top players in the world uh, um, compete in. And then the next day you were – Uh, when you you are unable to log into chess.com. And I'll let you pick up the story in a minute. But just to give listeners who aren't aware of the story, like uh, some background on where they can go for information. uh, Aksha wrote a blog post uh, discussing this that I'll put a link to in the show description. And there's an epic thread on chess Reddit, shout out to chess Reddit discussing this. And I'm sure in other corners of the chess internet, there's other discussions. So lot of talk about it, but basically there's no substitute for just hearing what you have to say about it. And my goal as host will be to ask questions that people have you know, submitted to me and to ask questions that I see raised online, but to remain neutral and to let people form their own conclusions. So with that out of the way, Akshat, why don't you uh, pick up the thread and, and tell the story of, of what happened when you found out that your account was banned?
1: Well, yeah, I think you recapped it pretty well. I mean, after the uh, second title Tuesday in April, I was unable to log into my account the next day, and I sent an email to uh, Chess.com's general staff uh, asking how can I resolve the issue, and then I I received this bolt from the bolt out of the blue from uh, Danny Wrench saying that my account's been closed for a fair play violation, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much where it started.
0: Okay, Danny Wrench, the vice president of Chess.com, as most listeners probably know. Um, yeah. So before we get back to your story, actually, actually, I want to take a sort of macro view of of how you think um, cheating in uh, online chess, engine use in online chess, should be handled because it's unavoidable. Uh, I, no, per,
1: for sure, I understand.
0: So, what do you think? Uh, you know, Chess. com is is doing a lot to promote chess, and they're they're putting money into the pockets of chess professionals by having events like the. Um, the Title Tuesdays in the Pro Chess League, and unfortunately, since engines are the best players in the world, and everyone has access to them, they have this recurring problem of uh, people trying to cheat. But obviously, they're not in the room with the people on the computer. So, do you have any ideas of how, like how this could be handled?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's of course there's probably no easy solution, and I, I honestly have I cannot, you know, suggest anything because I'm not an expert on the subject. It would be irresponsible to do so, but I do feel like at least there should be some avenue for a person who is being accused despite despite him believing he's innocent to you know at least explain himself right it shouldn't be just a one way street
0: okay now but what do you mean by believing you're innocent because i mean you're the one person who knows like you know chess.com has algorithms
1: where they say there's they they have a very high probability and well i mean know. in my case when i when i say believing of course i know i i can unequivocally state i've never cheated ever but for i'm just using like from their context, how would they how would they see me? They would say, say, "Okay, this guy believes he's not cheating, right?" I'm using I would be using I'm using their wording. Gotcha.
0: So, so back to the question, like what, how, what could they do? Um,
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I, like I said, I'm not an expert on the subject, so I can't I can't really like offer any you know uh, suggestion on how cheating in chess should be uh, combated. I just feel like it it should be a little more of an, an open process.
0: Uh, OK, uh, and here's a couple uh, other sort of uh, macro questions from supporter of the podcast, Tyron Price. Yes, uh, how prevalent do you think computer cheating is on the Internet? And uh-huh. do you think the possibility of false positives uh, outweigh the benefits of secretive computer cheat detection
1: algorithms? What would you mean by false positives?
0: So false positives are one where a player's play is flagged because it matches the engine at mm-hmm. a, beyond a certain threshold, right. uh, but the person did not use an engine.
1: Okay. Um, okay, what was the first point again? I'll answer The first that. one is how prevalent do you think
0: computer cheating is on the
1: internet? Hmm. I would say, I mean, personally, I feel like it's, it's not overly prevalent. I mean, there are some players who I feel like when I play with that, that you know they're they're cheating or something's amiss, but in, I very rarely get that feeling. Um, I think uh, at least on chess.com, which is where I was primarily playing, uh, on their side, it's mostly it's I would I mean mostly the untitled accounts, which which are the cheaters. Uh, I, I've I've almost never ever suspected you know any of my opponents to be titled opponents to be cheating, but I'm hey it might happen for all I know.
0: Yeah, I mean it does happen. I mean we don't know again cuz generally the way they handle this is they they don't uh right, I'm aware. they don't make it public. Like yeah. I wouldn't, you know, if if you didn't make your blog posts defending it, I wouldn't have suggested you come on the podcast. Right, yeah. um, but since since it was clearly something that you you wanted to discuss, I was happy to do it. I mean, it's an ongoing issue in in chess, uh, unavoidable. Um, so um,
1: yeah, that's why I made it public also because I mean I've um, I know I didn't cheat, so like there's nothing for me to hide and people are gonna wonder why am I not playing on chess.com anymore. Well, so I just wanna, you know, put it out there. Here's the reason why.
0: Right. Yeah, what I was yeah, what I was starting to say um is there's been in the past some accounts have sort of disappeared after winning prominent events and mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah, I'm aware, yes. Yeah, so one can draw their own conclusion about what happened. Uh, but this, yeah. w- this was a case where one might have drawn that conclusion, but they didn't, as it turns out, people don't have to infer because you're willing to discuss it openly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, um. So, so I don't know if you've seen the data of uh, like about, so if you know how this, uh, these programs work that compare the oh, basically. Sure, the yeah, com-
1: I'd, be, I'd be happy to know because I'm, like I said, I'm not an expert on this stuff. So,
0: okay. I mean, I'm not either, but I did sort of wade my way through some of the discussion of it. And basically, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's programs that look at basically the percentage of the time that a person plays the best
1: move in a given situation. And, and, what, and what would? Sorry to interrupt. Just what would constitute the best move? Like the number one engine move?
0: Yeah. So there's there's uh, there's some programs that do number one engine move, and there's some programs that do like a percentage of moves that don't have a negative impact on your your the engine analysis of your position, basically. What, is um, like,
1: what does that mean, like a negative impact, like devaluation just stays the same?
0: Yeah, stays the same or gets better as c- compared to like, you know, taking a move that takes your position from minus 0.2 to minus uh, 0.7 or something. So in that a single, would
1: be counted as a... That wouldn't
0: be counted as a human move.
1: So you're saying that if someone's devaluation uh, dropped from minus 0.2 to minus 0.7, that wouldn't be counted as a human move? No,
0: that would be counted as ah, a human move. That would
1: be counted as a human move. Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah. Um, so this guy e4 guy who I wish uh, I could attribute by name, but I couldn't find his name on a on chess Reddit. But he and a few other guys, um, you know, basically use this program called PGN. Let's see, P it's a freeware program called PGN Spy, where mm-hmm. basically you can compare. As I said, you can compare. Um, the moves that are made in a given game to the engine generated best move. And they are able to compare the percentages uh, mm-hmm. of a given player. So y- yours, uh, the best move of all played are in the range uh, in the games that they've highlighted out of like 60 to 70%. And right. they also analyzed the games in from the candidates, the recently completed candidates tournament. And uh-huh. those were a little bit lower. I mean, those were so yours on April 17th, 60%, April third, sixty three uh, percent. April fourth, seventy percent. And the candidates were sixty four. Sorry, 60-
1: well, uh, April four. Uh, uh, there was nothing on April four. Hmm. Oh, sorry.
0: April four, April- two thousand seventeen. So the April. first two were two thousand eighteen. Uh, the third was two thousand seventeen. April fourth. Um, oh, okay, last year. Okay, yeah. yeah got so it. wide sample, and I get why that would be confusing. Um, mm-hmm. And then in this year's candidates, basically those numbers were in the same ballpark. So Aronian sixty four percent, Caruana sixty eight percent. So basically, they're saying the three minute games that you played were at the level of uh, six hour classical by the best players in the world.
1: Well, that's very that's very funny to hear because uh, um, whenever I would go through my games, I'd always you know like think that okay, my games are there's a lot of stuff to work on, a lot of mistakes here and there. I mean. It's nothing like – it's not like I'm playing perfect chess here. I mean, it's it's kind of funny that the numbers would show that. And, I mean, do, do you know how these numbers are, are reached?
0: Uh, like I said, my understanding of the algorithm is that it compares uh, mm-hmm. the move you make t- to the, the computer-generated best move, right. uh, and it's just a percentage of time. So it doesn't mean that every move you make is going to be brilliant, but it means mm-hmm. a higher percentage are going to be the best move than – Basic, like for example, then Hikaru, they looked at, you know, Hikaru Nakamura, one of the best blitz players in the world. You were playing the best move a significantly higher percentage of the time than he was um, on a par with with Magnus Carlsen. So um, I, if nothing else, I guess you can – do you understand how this would generate suspicion?
1: Yeah, for sure. I understand what you're saying. It's just that uh, it's hard to believe that uh, – I mean, I would have never considered my chest to be, you know, anything eye-popping or anything. I mean – for me, it's just a bunch of normal games, win some good games, win some bad games. I never, ever thought that I was playing anything exceptionally well. Um,
0: but your results were pretty strong, no?
1: I mean, I I was very close to coming first both times, but I, I never did win it. I always ended up stumbling towards the end. So, um, I mean, it's not. I mean, coming top 10 in Title Tuesday is kind of average, because if you see how many people are tied, it's, I mean, it's, there's a lot. But, okay, this is very interesting that you've um, uh, told me about this, because I had no idea... So, um, the, the issue here seems to be that my numbers are correlating in, in a way that would be considered suspicious, correct? Yes. That is okay. So let me just think. So it's very strange because I had no idea about this until you just told me, uh, I was because the reasoning chess.com gave me is, is very different from what you're saying. So either, either they're not giving the whole story or, you know, people are just, you know, going off on a tangent. I don't know. But for example, uh, the, the, I was told by chess.com that, uh, um, Danny, he said that just to clarify the semantics, we're not calling into question um, any particular performances out of the single set of games from 2015. So for me, I've just had this thing in my mind, hey, 2015, why are they why are they like bringing up something from 2015? if they thought it was so so obvious, then why didn't they just you know ban me then? Why are they bringing this up three years later? So uh, that, that's that's basically what I was the information I was operating on, but I, I'm glad that you uh, you know you brought this up because I had no idea.
0: Yeah, and this is in this is in the public domain. Uh, you know, the, I'm taking in good faith that that this is I didn't generate this data myself. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I, if if it's not right, I apologize. Um, I'm. I am making the leap of faith that this person didn't just like make up these numbers. Mm-hmm. Because um, what
1: I'm saying is that, uh, you know, why didn't they just come out and say it's your, it's your child Tuesday performances, which we feel are suspicious? Why are they like bringing up something from 2015? That's what's bizarre to me. And now that I think about it,
0: yeah, I mean, I could I could speculate. I don't know if you know.
1: Sure, I, please do. I mean, like, I mean, how would you, as a neutral party, perceive the situation?
0: Well, a theory was floated in this in this thread on Reddit
1: that maybe they had a long
0: standing suspicion of uh you using engine assistance and mm-hmm. they felt that maybe maybe your recent the person po- whoever posted this in the thread posited that your recent play was suspicious but maybe not a smoking gun but they mm-hmm. felt that what was older was uh even more conclusive so if you know chess.com generally they're not looking you know th- they don't have a clear incentive to just, to my mind, to just shut down random young, prominent grandmasters' accounts, like, uh, you know, like without right. so, without uh, cause.
1: In a way, this is kind of it's kind of sad because they they seem to think I was playing better chess three years ago than I was today.
0: Right, possibly.
1: So I mean, that's that's kind of sad to hear. Considering I've been working very hard for the last three years and I'm a chess professional at the moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, it's still best, you know, it's still a world-class level, so you, know, you would have nothing to hang your, your head about uh, <laughs> the way you played either th- in 2015 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there also was, uh, E4 guy also looked at your play in the Pro Chess League, where there's um a little bit more scrutiny in terms of how people, uh, how players, excuse me, are are monitored, mm-hmm. and your play was not as strong then. Um, did you oh see- yeah, I,
1: I know I can. That's very easily I can attribute to that. It's it's you see in my, in chess. Um, um, my main issue so far has been my time troubles, and that sort of spilled over to the pro chess league games. I I was playing well in many of the games, and I didn't convert several winning positions. I ended up losing those games or drawing because of time trouble. And, and whereas in because pro chess league is like a tournament format, right? The games mean something, and so I ended up allowing my you know over the board. Issues to spill over into the pro chess league, whereas in blitz games I play more freely because you know there's not really much risk, there's nothing to lose. It's just you know like, you know making moves basically. So I think that's that would explain why my pro chess league games weren't as uh, high quality.
0: It's still, I mean, to be playing as strong as the candidates and the you know as as the the bot top players in the world in slow chess in a three minute game, it's. Uh, I mean.
1: Is 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 that even possible to compare? First of all, like classical to blitz. I mean, isn't that sort of apples to oranges?
0: Well, you're just comparing the output of an engine to the move that was played. So,
1: um, I just feel like there's so many variables here because um, when I go through my games, like they're like I feel like I have made so many mistakes, and like here I am being told that I'm playing at a world class level. I mean, that's kind of hard to believe. Yes,
0: well, ch- chess is a humbling game. I can definitely um I can definitely relate to that.
1: Um, because, like for example, I mean. How, how do they even determine something is considered a world class? Like, do they take into account whether the whether the guy knew the opening really well or whether, you know, he, would, he had analyzed this line so well that he was just so comf- comfortable with the, with the middle games? Or do they take into account, like, um, that the, the the opponent messed up the opening and this guy just had, a you know, easy game the entire way? I mean, any move would be considered good. I mean, there are, like, so many, like, variables here. It's hard to even... Yeah, these, think, these are uh, good
0: questions, and at some point, I, as a you know, podcast host, would definitely like to have a cheat detection expert on. So mm-hmm. if, any, if anyone's listening and that's your field, I know there's a couple prominent people that are on my list, and that I, I'd like to have on and get these questions answered myself. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, sure, if I speculate, it's more likely than not going to be wrong. So, um, <laughs> so uh, well, there was a couple other threads uh, or ideas I wanted to talk about just from. Uh, from this event so just so mm-hmm. let's think about uh, chess.com's perspective so sure um you know th- their primary goal i would think has to be to have a um a you know cheating free environment did you see uh Danny Wrench's article in chess life by any chance about their cheat detection uh when was this uh
1: february i think no i maybe i'll go I, have, I might have the magazine i might check it out but no idea
0: yeah i mean basically they have four statisticians working full-time they have like an algorithm basically
1: yes he 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 mentioned that to me in his email i think i
0: i wrote about that in my blog okay yeah and they have like an algorithm that doesn't even account for who the player is it just uh i mean a lot of what they they'll only divulge so much which I, i know is a source of frustration for you uh about how their how their cheat detection systems work, but mm-hmm. basically they don't. Uh, they're not saying they're not even looking at the player. They're just looking at the moves of a given game, and they're able to right, mi- sure. to mine all of the games that are played on the site.
1: And um, they're drawing comparisons to other, you know, the best people who play chess, basically, right? Right. Um,
0: and the best. So you're. I mean, I don't know about chess. Dot com. The the stuff where I'm comparing it to the best players. This from Reddit. I don't know what chess. Dot com does but you know they there is that like cap system where they're able to historically Mm -hmm. um look at the best move of different champions through time versus an engine and evaluate who objectively played the best um Mm -hmm. so i mean stuff like that is out there and it wouldn't surprise me if if they use that but in in any event um you know i would think that they're like what what do you think would be in it for them so like what do you think is Governing their decision because to to shut down your account. You think it's an honest mistake or a vendetta or or what?
1: Well, okay, I, that's just speculation at this point. Um, there's nothing really in it for them. I mean, uh, I mean, the only the only you know sort of mild thing which I could imply was that you know Nakamura, their ambassador, has accused me of cheating in the past, and so he would be you know someone who could have an influence. But again, speculation. But what I'm saying is that uh, I mean. How can you, like, state that with 100% certainty based on whatever analysis you do that, you know, we're right, you're wrong, and either admit to it or, you know, you're off the site? I mean, it, that, that, it just seems foolish to me to blindly trust the analysis that they do every time because while it may be right sometimes, it may, it may be wrong other times, and, and I'm an exception, right? I'm an exception to their system, and I'm not the only one because um, uh, shortly after writing my blog post, I received an email from another junior – titled player who told me that the same thing happened with him a couple months back and the only reason he to quote him fake confessed to a bunch of random games was so he wouldn't miss the pro chess league Um, so um yeah i just find it i mean (laughs) it just seems very strange that you know you would just blindly like trust whatever the system tells you without using using some some personal judgment and you know like in my opinion, the chess-specific breakdown should always over overrule any of the analysis that they conduct with their algorithms or whatever.
0: So what do you mean by that?
1: Uh, like I referenced earlier, right? Like the opening, like did the guy know the opening really well? Did he – was he just so – he knew the middle game so well. He had played games over the board in this line, so he just knew it really well. Or, you know, did the other guy mess up early on and he just had an easy game for – you know, I mean, those type of things. Um.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, sorry, I was just. As a, uh, basically, as opposed to whatever you know, like graph they may be looking at, which you know, tracks whatever player, you know, player's moves or whatever.
0: Yeah. So, Akshat, let's let's switch gears. So, yeah, I know that you mentioned that you're a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Um. So when these guys get flagged for like PEDs, uh, yeah. p- performance enhancing drugs, which happens less in less in football with American football, which. You mentioned, yeah, sure. but I'm a baseball fan, and especially about ten years ago, when, uh, when, before they sort of tightened up their mm-hmm. their drug uh, testing, people would get flagged, and the athlete would basically always deny it. So, mm-hmm. what's what's your inclination when you, when you hear that, like when you when an athlete say on a team gets flagged?
1: Right. Here's the thing, right? Just.com, they're not making a public statement about this; they're keeping it, you know under wraps confidential so i mean it's 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 you can compare it to um baseball right where they're where everyone knows off the bat that this guy is being accused of using peds right
0: right well they do keep it i mean this is might be neither here nor there but they do keep it conf- they only announce it publicly like a basically a second mm-hmm. test like the a, you have to in order to get suspended publicly i think you have to test for a drug twice so the first time i think they do keep it confidential but anyway um i was just curious it's a, it's a bit off off track well, in this
1: case i mean in this case i mean how often does the player make it known to the public that he was you know deemed to have been using peds in this case in this situation i as a player am making the public aware of this situation right
0: right do you have any thoughts of litigation just just out of curiosity <laughs>
1: no that's just yeah that's that's not gonna happen i mean i have neither my family has neither time or resources for such you know outlandish outlandish you know action or whatever i mean like it's it's for me the main thing is um uh i don't mind not playing on chess.com it's just that because i never i never really enjoyed the site i i found on other sites superior in terms of interface and user experience it's just that the chess.com have the strongest player base and so that's something I wouldn't have access to now, and it's also the manner in which I've been dismissed, which is what I have the issue with. Okay, um,
0: yeah, that's that's understandable. I mean, I,
1: I mean, I do hope that I would be able to play in the Pro Chess League. I mean, it's 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 sort of an example of another sort of um, the way they sort of you know engage a little arm twisting. They he implied that I would I would be missed in the Pro Chess League, and that's sort of you know creating another pressure point for me to confess. And I, I mean, I just flat out said, I'm not going to be coerced into admitting to something I didn't do. So I do hope that the commissioner, Greg Shahade, will, you know, make his own decisions and not just blindly follow what chess.com tells him.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what, like, if, if he would have that authority if, if he were so inclined mm-hmm. uh, and and so on. But, I mean, I do know that these these aren't decisions they take lightly. Um, I, I've... From what I've heard, they, you know, they tend to err on the side of caution when it comes to these things, because there is sort of, you know, I think Danny might have even mentioned in in the the article on Chess Life, like, you know, they have to worry just as a, you know, private entity, they have to worry. It's nice that you mentioned that you're not thinking about
1: litigation, but
0: that's something that has to be on their mind if they feel like uh, there's a there's a risk that they're no, know. I understand.
1: That's why they told the line with their wording and whatever.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably why they keep it private and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, okay, I think um, I think we've more or less. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean they're wrong. I mean, just just so I just want to make sure that the viewers understand that I, I mean they're completely wrong in my case, and you know uh, that's why I've made this public.
0: Yeah, and and it's good that you came on and people can can hear hear what you have to say. Um, certainly, as, as I mentioned before we're recording, the one thing we know for sure is uh, you're the only person who really knows what happened. So uh, there's no one else. I mean, there's statistics and probabilities, but right. uh, 99% or whatever they say uh, is, is not 100%. Um, so um, I'm, I'm, I want
1: to thank you for doing this. I'm sure this, you know... Um, yeah, sure. I have no problem. I, I'm happy to do this because, you know, I mean, I feel I've been wronged and I'm, I'm ha- more than happy to provide whatever, you know, answers or more details that people might be interested in.
0: Cool. Um, so, I'm sorry. I, I just want to make sure I haven't forgotten anything from this topic. Sure. Uh, do you feel I like...
1: Mean, bad if you think about it, right? Like, um, why would someone who is, you know, US junior champion, national high school champion, someone who has, you know, moved to St. Louis, you know sacrificed? You know, stuff moved to St. Louis, trying to become your know, chess professional, trying to make it big, and I've deferred college for two years. Why would he even, you know, do all this? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I that that thought did cross my mind. But in terms of like parsing motivations, you know, mm-hmm. there's Chess. dot com's motivation. Like someone, you know, someone made a mistake, right? We just don't know who it was, mm-hmm. and and their motivation, it wouldn't be clear to me either. I mean uh i guess i guess as you said basically it would have, it would be a mistake if they did it Their i mean there's their stats and their algorithm would be would be wrong um, right but i mean you know they've got testimonials from like harvard stats professors no, I, and stuff, uh,
1: so. I, I was shown one of those testimonials and even in those testimonials nowhere does it say that if chess.com claims something is 100 percent true it only spoke of a high probability of being being accurate and that's the case here whatever low probability percentage uh, there is that that's that's the percentage I'm part of, and also like that other uh, player I told you about that other junior who told me that the same thing had happened to him
0: yeah um yeah uh okay i think we can we can leave it there i think we we've given this a a full airing so i really appreciate it but let's like let's end on a happier note, Akshat. let's uh sure let's talk about what do you have coming up so do you have any um any tournaments planned in the next few months
1: um i'll probably be playing in the chicago open later this month It's towards the end of may and then uh after that i'm not sure but i'll definitely be playing the u.s junior championship once again in july i hope to Hope to recapture the title. Wow, yeah, you you your young monsters are uh
0: <laughs> are impressive. So you were you are in it, I'm guessing a wander Liang. Who else?
1: Uh I don't know if he'll play this year. Um last year he won it. Uh it's kind of a shame. I played really well last year. Um I was the only undefeated player and I just didn't convert several winning positions because of those time travel issues I mentioned earlier. But I'm um, hoping I can correct those this year and you know have a more positive result. So do you? So you don't
0: know the field yet. But in
1: the of now, I don't have. I, I have no idea who's going to play. I mean, probably speculate. Like some some people, like Wander or or Rufang Lee, might play. Other than that, I, I mean, there's nothing confirmed yet.
0: Do you know if like someone on the scale of like or at the level of Jeffrey Zhang? Do you think he would turn it down at this point, or is it I something? Mean, he's already
1: won it. He's already won it before. So and he's he's um much higher rated than the rest of the field at the moment. So I don't see what you know incentive he has to play. Okay. And what's
0: your uh, what's your take on the world championship? Uh, who's going to win?
1: Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, that's an interesting topic. I do think it would be more in, it'll be more interesting than the, uh, uh, Carlson Koryakin match. But again, I have to just I have to you know, <laughs> go out on a limb and pick Magnus again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to bet against him.
1: He's, yeah, I mean, it's just um, it's it's just like because see one thing is that one of you know, Magnus's weak points, and this is obviously, relatively speaking, is considered to be his opening preparation, right? Whereas someone like Fabiano is... Um I would say, you know, yeah, he has very good opening preparation. But then when you look at the games that they play, in, uh, the, at least the most recent one from Granke, Magnus played what you'd consider probably a slightly dubious variation and still outplayed him with ease. So, I mean, that's kind of scary to think that he doesn't really need openings to to, to beat this guy, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, so I would it say is. Magnus
1: is a very strong favorite to win.
0: Oh, interesting. I mean, I feel like Fabiano's definitely closing the gap. So I, I'm excited for it. It should be should be uh yeah
1: maybe he can surprise but i'd probably uh heavily back magnus in this match
0: yeah okay i mean you know i don't know if you're i don't want to encourage gambling but the <laughs> the line's probably it's probably not going to be i'm guessing magnus will be in the range of 65 35 or 60 to 40 percent something like that yeah so. that
1: sounds accurate maybe i'd say i'd I'd be even more audacious and say 70 75 percent.
0: Okay. And uh, Fabiano uh, picked it at 50 50, as did a couple of guests. So people definitely have differing opinions. And I, you know, I'm just excited that we have two young, well spoken, amazing chess players uh, getting ready to take the, the biggest stage.
1: Sure, yeah, but hey, I'm I'll I'll be more than happy if Fabiano does well. You know, he's an American. He's a nice guy. I've met him a few times, and I'll I'll, I'll root for him as much as uh, I think Magnus would win. I'll I'll, I'll be happy with uh, Fabiano upset. So yeah, yeah,
0: it's kind of a win-win for chess fans. So yeah, and
1: I think he is the best challenger to Magnus as of now. He's he's the most stable. He's the most consistent. He's the most you know down to earth. You know, he's level-headed. So I I think those are qualities which which uh, definitely give him a better chance than his his peers.
0: Yeah, the the stable I think is really important like the way that he was able to bounce back from his loss late in the candidates and just finish. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was very impressive, of course. Yeah.
0: So, sure, yeah, I can't wait can't wait till November. Um yeah. okay, Akshat, anything else yeah uh, we need to hit before I, I let you go?
1: Uh I don't know, you tell me. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to ask?
0: I think I've got it covered. You know, I've uh I I'd like to have you back sometime um because you're, you know, you're so young, uh, you're, you know, you're only 18. So I, I love to talk to chess players. And I love to, to hear stories. And our listeners love to hear stories about like players, um, travels and encounters with legends and stuff like that. But, you know, you're young enough where if, if anything springs to mind, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear it. But if not, mm. maybe, maybe uh,
1: some other time. Sure. Yeah, definitely down the road, we could do this again. I'd be happy.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, actually, I really appreciate it. Uh, I know that, you know, this whole thing regardless of uh you know uh what actually happened which again you only know it's you know i'm sure it it hasn't been a fun few weeks for you let's say
1: yeah it's it's taken up quite a bit of time and energy that's for sure
0: um cool okay well thanks a lot actually oh and if people want to reach you i know you've got a twitter account is there oh yeah definitely um oh and you've got a blog and you started streaming right
1: Yeah, you can uh, just put it in the description or whatever. I'm streaming on twitch.tv slash my name, Akshat Chandra, on on Lee Chess. I'll be streaming the Titled Arena in a couple of days. So that'll be exciting. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter or whatever.
0: Okay, sounds good. I will uh, link to all of that good stuff. Okay, thank you, Akshat.
1: All right, thanks, Ben.
0: The new Perpetual Chess theme music is courtesy of Geert Vandervelt. Special shout-out to him. I also want to thank everyone who supports the podcast. That includes people who tell their friends about it, people who write positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, those who have donated to support the show. I spend about five hours a week on each episode, and even though I love doing it, it can be hard to find the time. Without the support of my Patreon and PayPal Perpetual Chess partners, the show would not be possible. They are... Adam Ralph, Adam Vrancoolge, Adrian Gutierrez, Andres Chris I hope I did okay there, Andres on your name. Alex Pejas, Chris Wainscott, Chad Hilton, Chris Lott, Christopher Wood, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Chris Flanagan, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer, Gary Andrews, Greg Shahadi, James Bonastia, Jason Dunbar, Jennifer Valens, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, Johnny McMenamin Kelly Palmer. Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Lorraine Doré, Matthew Passy, Macaulay Peterson, Matthew Tedesco, Pascal Charbonneau, Paul Swaney, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Tempo, Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchak, Robert Steiner, Tatia Vabrahamian, Thomas Sonics, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotello, Victor Vrancoul, Zhao Cheng, and Jivko Stoyanov. Thanks a lot, everyone. I'll be back next week with another great...